everything gone, our, our money, our home, our family, if we were to lose everything, would we give up or would we rebuild? Would you give up, throw in the towel, or would you rebuild? Let's go ahead and uh, kick these lights on for a second. I want to tell you about a, it's interesting how God gives us divine appointments. And it's interesting how when God is working in, in your heart in a certain area, how God will bring people in your path to just either confirm what he's doing or to challenge you and, uh, and just different things. Well, this week, uh, my wife and I, uh, for Christmas, or not for Christmas, but for my son's birthday, we decided to uh, um, pool the money that my parents send and uh, Jessica, you know, our money uh, for a birthday that what we spend on our son. And then we even asked my son to chip in uh, for, for a long board for my son. And he, he thought that was the greatest thing. He'd been asking for one. We're like, well, if we're going to do this, it's going to take a combined effort. But anyway, so I'm doing some research on Monday on my day off and uh, I'm at the store and um, and. There's a, there's a store in, in Grand Haven that, uh, that talks or that you know, deals with you know, some surf stuff or whatever. It's called Rockpile. It used to be called Chapter 11 in, in Spring Lake. I don't know if you are familiar with that. But anyway, I'm in there, and uh, they are not normally open on Monday. But I called them, and the guy was there, and, and I was like, hey, if I stop in, will you be there? He's like, yeah, I'm going to be here for another couple hours. And he's like, yeah, we're not normally open, but you know, come on down, that sort of thing. I'm like, hey, sweet. And uh, so I'm gathering some information, you know, looking, whatever. Well, this guy named Ned, uh, we were just talking and, uh, and just kind of sharing and stories, whatever. And I'm telling him about my kids. I'm asking him about his family. And I don't even remember how it came up. But he started to tell me the story, how uh, he had uh, just gone through uh, probably the worst season of his life um, in the last couple of years. Um, he had, at one point, several businesses that were thriving. In fact, he, he mentioned in the, in the course of conversation that, that per month, uh, off the top, uh, his salary for him and his, and his, his wife combined was about $60,000 per month. I did the math, that's $720,000 a year. And uh, I don't know if he's telling me the truth or not, but uh, anyways, he, you know, at one point, he had some significant uh, influence coming in. Well, uh, you know, business got bad. He lost a couple of the restaurants. He lost uh, the Chapter 11 deal. And I remember why, now that I'm talking. You know, he's, the reason we started talking about this is because he's rebuilding uh, his business in a, with a different model and uh, whatever. But anyway, he's talking, and not only did he lose all his business and things like that, um, about a year ago, um, he's, out, he's literally, he's telling me, he's standing outside of his house. His house caught on fire. And uh, he's in his boxer shorts, he says, and he's watching his, his uh, dream uh, burn. And I'm like, wow. And so I'm like, man, it's interesting you talk about this, about losing it all and, and uh, you know, restarting and all this. I said, I've been preaching a series about faith, hope, and love and, and uh, how these are foundations. And uh, it would just open up an opportunity to share. And uh, it was just interesting how God did that. But this guy lost it all, and he's rebuilding. He's trying to rebuild. Um, another story, uh, someone uh, that, that attends here, um, they were telling me this week, they said, you know, Pastor, you're talking last week about losing it all. He says, we, we lost it all not too long ago. 
and they were sharing the goodness of God and how God, you know, even though they had lost their business and, and uh, they had walked through some of the darkest hours, how God helped them through and, and even through the hard times, how God was working. And I say that to say that, um, that we as believers, no matter if we're facing some of the hardest times in our lives or we're experiencing great success, we need three ingredients to be working in our lives at all times. Faith, hope, and love. They're foundational. We've talked a little bit for the last couple of weeks about love, and we said that anything motivated by love will succeed. We encourage each other to walk in love we encouraged ourselves to, to measure ourselves against 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. How do you measure up? We said that love covers sin, and so we need to be overlooking faults. And uh, Richie, I'm wondering you know, how the progress is uh, in that. A couple weeks ago, you know, after we talked about that, you were you know, really encouraging Brenda to overlook your faults. And uh, is, that, is that working out pretty good? Not yet? Okay. We're still working on that one. Okay. And, uh, and it, that was kind of fun. Uh, we also said to practice sacrifice, the idea that God loves so much that he gave, right? And that we, as believers, should be giving. And then last week, if you weren't with us or if you're here for the first time, we talked about that, this idea that love, we are to say it and we are to show it. I want you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. This was kind of the crux from last week. Yeah, 1 John chapter 3, verse 18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue. And we talked about in the, in the language there, it, it, the idea is that we should not love with words or tongues merely. So it's not just our words or the things we say, but also with action and with truth. And so we encourage each other that we should be saying, I love you to those that are around us to show our love, to say it, to show it. And boy, uh, some response from last week. It's interesting how, you know, when, when, uh, when God is moving, uh, it's interesting. Uh, the, um, there, there are some, some folks that I talk with after service that just really challenged me. And it kind of opened my eyes that there is some deep pain and hurt and we need the Holy Spirit's help and uh, that many of us are walking wounded and, and there's walls that we've built up in our lives and, and the, the fact is, uh, you know, sometimes we need to love ourselves and sometimes we need uh, those to come around us to help us to love and uh, to learn how to love. And, uh, and so, so I, I just challenge us that we are, as a body of believers, we need to be rebuilding and asking God to help us. We don't give up. We're God's people. <laughs> and we don't give up. We are called to rebuild. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, says that these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And the second ingredient that we're going to look at in this series is hope. It's the middle one. These were listed in reverse order of importance. So we talked about love first, most important love. And then today, we're going to look at hope. And I challenge, my heart is that it will challenge you uh, deeply this morning. I got a face-to-face -face, uh, um, encouragement in love and hope this uh, this past Friday. For those that were out at the Gleaners truck, at the Feed America truck, I should say, it's not called Gleaners anymore, but uh, we know what that means. Um, Eric Morgan, the director of Love Incorporated, or Love in the Name of Christ, they, he was saying, 
uh, he gathers, gathers the, the volunteers, especially those that are there for the first time. And he does such an incredible job. But he gathers us up in front of the truck uh, right before we're about to distribute 10,000 pounds of food. And he says, hey, we're going to give these people that have been waiting in line for this food, we're going to give them two things. He says, we're going to give them love and we're going to give them hope. And I, my spirit was just like, whoa, yeah, that's exactly right. That's what we need. And, uh, and that's what we did on, on Friday morning. We gave love and we gave great hope to a lot of people. Now the food, you know, the quality of the food may not have been, you know, what you're used to. We were, in fact, we were talking about that, John, before service, that, that it's not, it may have not have been the greatest. But we were able, as a body of believers, uh, not only to purchase the, the 10,000 pounds of food because of what, you know, because of the sacrifice that you guys make, but we were also able to give some love, to give some hope in a hard, hard economy. People were lined up on, on Friday morning from early in the morning waiting for a couple bags of groceries. And I'll tell you, uh, it, it broke my heart. Every time we've done a gleaner's truck, we've now done three this year, and we're going to do more. It's, it's a challenging, challenging time to consider, okay, what else can we do to make an impact? And so it was pretty cool. Well, I want to talk about hope this morning. And I looked it up in the dictionary and said, uh, what is hope? You know, what, what would a good definition of hope be? And uh, I came up with this. It's a desire for something good. A desire for something good accompanied with at least a slight expectation of obtaining it. Let me say that again. Hope is a desire for something good accompanied with at least a slight expectation of obtaining it. So I was thinking about it, you know, it would not be hope for me because of my size and my stature to, uh, you know, to compete in some sort of competition that was intended for little people, right? That would not, I could not hope to win a competition. I couldn't even hope to get involved in, in, in something like that. I was thinking if I wanted, if I had hope to perform in the Olympics and gymnastics, I'm not sure I would have any expectation at all, not even the slightest bit, of obtaining any, well, maybe anything in the Olympics for that matter, but especially in gymnastics. I am not flexible. I, uh, you know, I can't really move like gym, gymnastic folks do. But, it's, but hope should be in something that, where there's a slight bit of expectation, that we could grab it, that there's a, a, a hope, or there's a possibility of obtaining it. Now, for the most part in my life, I must say that I, my life has pretty much been filled with hope. I grew up in a great family. I've talked about that lots. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, I had a loving and a caring environment at home, and I understand that that's not the case for, for many, but, uh, but there's, you know, there's a lot of reason for me to be hopeful in, uh, in growing up. But I'll tell you, there was a one period in my life um, that is kind of painful, um, I had this great desire in my heart before I was married to own my own house. And I don't know where that idea came from. Somewhere I, along the, you know, growing up, I, I thought that, hey, before, before I get married, I need to own a house. And so, you know, I was 19 when I asked Jessica to marry me, or 18, and I turned 19 right after that. And uh, shortly after, Jessica and I, we pooled our money together 
And uh, we put a down payment on a house in Clawson, Michigan. And uh, we, we, our first home was this nice little condo. It was beautiful. It was very, very nice um, and uh, pretty affordable. Um, and, but that first home turned into a nightmare. Because not too long after we got married, uh, we were off to Evangel University. God had put on our hearts that, that we weren't to stay in Michigan, that we were supposed to study, and uh, I, to, uh, to, for me to pursue my education. And so we packed everything up. We decided not to sell the house at that time. Instead, we thought, hey, this is great. We'll find a renter. Ooh, bad idea. Because the renter we got, I was going to say her name. I put it in my notes here. Let's just call her Elaine for whatever reason, because that's her name. Oh. This poor lady, you know, she, we, in the contract, we said that she wouldn't smoke because we didn't want our house to be filled with smoke. We said no animals, and uh, she didn't listen to a thing we said. We said we wanted the payment, you know, arriving by the first of the month, and so she, we knew that she had to send it late in the month and for the next month or whatever. More times than not, her payment was late. And talk about stress level just going up and up and up. Because we needed that. We didn't just have this you know, huge nest egg to you know, support. We, we weren't going to support Elaine and her uh, dysfunction. But not only did she not pay on time, she ended up smoking like a chimney. Because we were thousands of miles away, or at least a thousand miles away. And we were in Springfield, Missouri, and we could not monitor. We found out that she had like four cats, birds, and all these things, and uh, her cats tore up our linoleum, and when we finally kicked her out, we had this disaster on our hand. The carpet in the whole house had to be completely torn up and redone, the linoleum, and uh, long story short, to get out of this situation, we graduated from, from college. She was in for two years, which I don't know why we let her stay that long. But we, we said, after the two years, we came back and, uh, and we looked at the house and we're like, this is a disaster. And there was going to be thousands of dollars that we were going to have to invest just to sell the house. Anyway, we put the house on the market and, uh, and I experienced my first bailout program. <laughs> my parents had to come in and bail us out to the tune of almost $10,000. As a young kid, just out of school, thank God we made it through school without debt, uh, so we didn't have any of that, but now we had this $10,000 we had to pay back. Now, did we say at that moment, well, you know, I lost all our hope, We're not gonna, we'll never buy a house again? Well, no. We worked hard. We didn't have kids, so Jessica had a full-time job. I was in my first position in Dayton, Ohio, and it was neat. Because we didn't lose our hope in that situation in a dark hour. I mean, it was painful. But within a few months, we paid my parents off, which was cool. And a few months later, we were able to scrape together another uh, small down deposit, the very minimum of what we had to, to buy another house in Dayton, Ohio. And that next house was great because we only owned it for a couple years. And it was you know, in the, that season that some of us remember when houses used to appreciate in value. And we were able to move it, and it was, it was wonderful. And we moved to another place, and we did well again. And, and God has blessed us. What I want us to talk about this morning, or to understand, is that hope sees obstacles like what I just described that come into your life as opportunities. It sees promise now. Not later, but now. If I brought in an acorn, which yeah, I, was, I should have brought one in, if I had an acorn here, 
Most of you would say, oh, you've got an acorn. But there may be a few of you that see the promise in that acorn. An acorn turns into what? An oak tree that produces thousands of acorns. And Joe, we've, uh, we've experienced that at my house. Thousands and thousands of acorns, cleaning those up. I, I decided two years ago, because I, I, we got these oak trees that just, like, I don't know, they just rain the acorns. I hate acorns. And uh, I decided to pay my kids a penny per acorn, thinking, oh, that'll be, you know, good. That cost me a small fortune. <laughs> that motivated my kids. I mean, they were collecting them by the hundreds, literally. And uh, that's a different story for a different time. But hope sees promise. It sees it now. Hope sees a, a blueprint, a plan. Hope sees vision. In fact, I would say that hope is vision. And we're going to talk about that this morning. And I, I heard that hope is described as a thermostat. If you were to go to home and, and uh, turn your thermostat to a certain degree, to a certain temperature, that would be hope. And then faith is what pursues, will go after what hope is set for. And so our hope is set on things that we don't see but with the promise that it will get there and the faith, and we'll talk about that in the next couple weeks, that faith will go after what is hoped for. And uh, it's just neat how God does this. Faith, hope, and love together. And we'll, we'll combine those in a couple weeks. But what I want you to understand is that some of us, we may have great hope, but there may be others that you're saying, man, well, I'm more comfortable on the other side, the opposite of hope. What I'm experiencing is more suffering or depression, or a sense of abandonment, or a loss of courage, or a loss of confidence for whatever circumstances have come my way. The opposite of hope sometimes is confusion. Seeing things a little blurry, if you kind of go cross-eyed and you know, things you can say, okay, there's people out here, but I can't see who they are. And the idea is that if we live without hope, one author this week I was reading about this said, hopelessness, to live that way, is the closest thing to hell this side of earth, around this side of eternity. So where does hope come from? How do we get hope? And how do we keep it if we've got it? And how, if we were to lose it, how do we rebuild? How do we bring hope back in to our lives? Well, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 13, a place that we've launched and I want you to understand that nestled in uh, the uh, First Corinthians here, uh, the second half of Corinthians uh, of First Corinthians is talking about some doctrinal things. Uh, he's looking at some spiritual gifts. Paul is, and he's uh, encouraging the church in spiritual gifts. But then he takes a break in chapter thirteen, and he and he comes to this idea that that love is supreme. And so we have the love chapter, how we know it. And he talks about spiritual gifts at the beginning of chapter thirteen, and he comes to the end, and he says, you know, these spiritual gifts. You aren't going to rebuild your life on these spiritual gifts. Yeah, they're good. They're things to have. But if you're going to rebuild, if you're going to you know, stay consistent, at where your foundation should be is found in verse 13. It says these three, three things remain. Our foundation is faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And what I want us to see here is that these three things are almost like a three-legged stool. You can't have two legs out of a three-legged stool and for it to stand. 
You, if you knock one of those out, faith, you knock faith out, you don't stand. If you knock love out, or if you knock out hope, you don't stand. All three are intertwined, working together, integral to make success. And so we talked about love and loving God and loving others and the importance of that. And what I want us to see today is that hope is vision. It's seeing the future. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 21 talks that our hope is set on God. Our hope is set on God, almost like a thermostat. Where do we believe God is moving? We, we set the thermostat there, and faith goes after it, and we'll, we'll get to there. Now, there's a guy in the Bible that knew this and understood this very well, King David. Mike, I'm not sure where he is uh, leading worship today. Yeah, Mike read some of these verses, but I want to review those. Let's look, turn with me to Psalm chapter 42. Psalm chapter 42, verse 5. says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? And David is saying here, with a loud, resounding uh, purpose, he says, Put your hope in God. Verse 11 says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? The same thing. He says, Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. A few verses after that in Psalm chapter 62, and these are just a few small nuggets of, of hope here. But Psalm 62 says, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on him. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. And I love what verse 8 says. It says, trust in him at all times. Oh, people, pour your, out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. He's our help. He's our fortress. Put your hope in him. Psalm 71, verse 5, listen to what this says. It says, for you have been my hope, O sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I've relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become like a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Again, my confidence since my youth. You have been my hope and my fortress. And I pray that each of us could say that. Psalm 146, verses 5 and 6 says that we're blessed when we hope in the Lord. Isaiah 40, verse 31, a very popular uh, uh, scripture. At an interesting time in Israel's history, it says those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Then it says they'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll walk or run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. But our hope will renew our strength. And in Romans 5, 5, which we talked about last week, in the last couple weeks, about love, the love that God puts inside of us at the beginning of that, it says that hope does not disappoint us when our hope is found in the Lord. What I want you to know is that hope must be anchored in God. It's anticipating His promise. That's God's plan for you, is to believe, to trust, to put your hope in Him. Now, just as much as God has a plan, how many know that the enemy has a plan as well? He does. And Satan's plan is he wants us to see problems. He wants us to see trouble. 
He wants us to see the mountain that might be in our way. And what Satan's plan, he wants to kill hope. And he fills us with despair and regret. He says, oh, don't you, you know, look at last week, what happened in your life. How could you ever hope in the Lord? Or look at this last season or the last year, the way you treated so-and-so, or the way that you spent this, or the way that whatever. He fills us with regret, despair. Or he fills us with false hope, a natural hope, this wishing or daydream or idle imagination. And I'll tell you, anything that Satan would offer leads to hopelessness. Satan wants us to focus on our feelings. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, what got uh, Adam and Eve in trouble? What was a sin that tripped them up? Pride, right? Well, on one side, let me see, can I get a volunteer here for a second? Who wants to help me out this morning? Who wants to help me out here? Help me preach. Oh, man, if you volunteer someone, I'm picking you. All right, come on. All right, Phyllis, come on. Anybody else want to volunteer someone? <laughs> All right, quickly, we want to get out before, you know, one or two. All right, Jason, come on. Or Jason, not Jason, uh, AJ. All right. On one side, this is some of the feelings that, they, that Satan might fill us with, with some pride. And what would that look like? I mean, well, let's just have you stand over here for a second, all right, and, and hold up the pride. And the pride of life would be like, man, um, I'm awesome. Uh, no, 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 I'm, I'm just saying, this is you. Yeah, exactly, right, right, you got it. You, you're playing the part well. Uh, you know, I got this under control. Um, I don't need anybody. Um, you know, I'm faster, I'm better, I'm, uh, I'm smarter. I'm filled, and, and it's a false pride that Satan would try to fill us with. And he wants us to feel that way at times. And, that, and we know that that extreme is, is bad. Now the other side, and we'll have you step way over here, is despair. And uh, thanks to the uh, spell check, I didn't spell it D-I-S-P-A-I-R. <laughs> and thanks, Clayton. <laughs> I, I had it printed out, and I'm like looking at him like, that just does not look right. I'm like, Clayton, how do you spell that? And he helped me out. But anyway, it's despair. On the other side... Uh, Satan would love to come in at times and fill us with despair. Ah, I'm never going to be good enough. You know, my past, it just, you know, it, it, it stinks. You know, God could never use me. Um, you know, the despair might look like this, you know, uh, you know the, the mountain in front of me, you know, the, the situation I'm, I'm, I'm with, you know, that I've found myself in. It's all my fault. Um, I, you know, I'll never make it, those types of things. And how many know that these extremes are from the enemy? Either the pride saying, oh, I'm so good, I don't need anybody, or the idea that, oh, I'm, I'm scum of the earth. You know what? God's word, it, it, it doesn't verify either of those, does it, in our lives? Now, Satan, he wants us to focus on our feelings. And what I want you to know, that your feelings lie. Your feelings lie. We are not the scum of the earth. We are God's creation. And so we don't live in despair, but we also, we can't do it on our own. Our confidence doesn't come from our own ability, our own knowledge, or our own intuition. 
So it's not pride that gets us by, that extreme. And what I believe God wants us to do is he wants us to make our way more to the balance and to see ourselves not in doom and gloom and despair and not with so much pride that fills us, but more with a balanced view, seeing ourselves the way God sees us. And where that foundation comes from is from his word. Centered on his word. Satan would love for you to feel down. He'd love for you to feel like you're on top of the world and no one can touch you. But the reality is, is that it's only with God. God looks at you as righteous. It's not the despair. He sees you as a man of God. He sees you as a woman of God. And he, but it's not you. It's God working through you that gives you the confidence to do what he's called you to do. And you guys can have a seat. And thank you guys for helping me out. Well, yeah, give my hand. All right, good. See, what happens is that hope brings a balance. It brings perspective. Hope helps us see as God sees us. And if your feelings govern your life, you're going to be wishy-washy. I'll just tell you. Instead, we need to line up our feelings with God's word. Now, if you ask me, do I always feel like a man of God? No. But I get myself in God's word and he helps me. Our feelings lie, don't they? Let me just you know, share with you. You know, uh, how many have ever woke up in the morning and not wanted to uh, go to work? <laughs> Your feelings lie. How, let me ask you a little more personal maybe, and you guys all get an A today. How many of you have ever you know, woke up on a Sunday morning and uh, it's time to worship the Lord? <laughs> He's already raising his hand. You know where I'm going. And you're just like, hey, I don't feel like going to church. <laughs> it's like, okay. Our feelings lie. Pride of life would say, ah, I can do it on my own. But what God wants is to fill us with hope to give us confidence, not to, to say, no, I, I'm nothing, but to look at our lives the way that he sees us. My question for you this morning is, where do you need hope in your life? Where do you need to rebuild, to bring that love and to bring hope back into your life? Are you discouraged? Are, are you feeling weak? Are you feeling hurt? Is your hope in on worldly things? The natural hope, the, uh, the wishing, the daydream? Is your hope in your job or in a relationship? Let me just say, if your hope is in a relationship, the Bible says that none of us, none of us are, have any good inside of us. And so if you're hoping in some uh, relationship or a person, you know, that's going to fail. If your hope is in your own ability or in pride, in worldly things, that's going to fail. But our vision, our direction for life we need to submit that to God's plan, rooted in his word. And my heart is that if you are here, if you found yourself here this morning and you are struggling with this idea of hopelessness, if you're struggling with, with you know, wanting to rebuild or to maintain what God has done in your life, then you are, have lost your hope. If you've lost sight of what God wants for you, he wants to speak to your hearts today and he wants to inject inside of you great hope and to let you know that you've got a great future and that with him, according to his word, he's got it all under control. That's the vision he has for you, for your life, the dreams, the plans. 
And I want you to know also, as a church, that God has great plans, great vision for us. And I want to speak to that for a minute. If you've been around for any time or if you've been around uh, more than a couple services, uh, we, we send this home to you. It's our, our mission and our vision statement, and I've got it stapled in where I, where I preach out of, and so I can go there. Our mission is this. We are a spirit-filled church. I like that. Committed to glorifying God by connecting the people of the lakeshore with God, with each other, and with the world. That's our mission. That's what we're about. And then listen to our vision statement, our hope statement. Our hope, you could put, is to be healthy, multiplying, to be a healthy, multiplying church known for making an impact in our community and in our world. Pretty powerful words there on the page. And on the other side, if you've uh, ever seen this document, is our core values and the things that kind of govern us, the things that we would die for before we'd, we'd give up. But when we talk about being healthy, I want, you, I want to give you a picture here. I've been challenged in, in God's Word just recently that a healthy church is a unified church, a church that cares for one another and cares for those outside of our circles. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 45. I want you to see something that, uh, that has just jumped out at me. And I've read this lots of times before, but I just believe that God has spoke to my heart uh, in regards to our church. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, talks about the early church fellowshipping together, believing together. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe with the many wonders and signs that were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. In verse 45, listen to this. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Flip forward to Acts chapter 4, a similar story here. It says, uh, verse 32, it says, All the believers were one in heart and in mind. Talking about great unity there. It says, No one claimed that any of his possessions were his own, but they shared everything they had. Now, I want you just to get a picture of what that would be like. Because sometimes we read that and we're like, oh, that sounds good. Well, I, I believe it does sound good. But let's think of someone who uh, you know, has some, some influence. Um, Andy, stand up for a second. Andy back here, you know, he's, he's got something that I really like. You know that motorcycle of yours? it says here that all the believers were one heart oh stay standing one heart we're one brother one mind no one claimed that any of his possessions were his own i like that they shared everything why'd you sit down they shared everything that they had in common now, that's just one example, right? What if we all just you know, brought our cash, we you know, emptied our savings account or you know, whatever, and we brought it and we just pooled it all together? Could we live that way? I don't know. But man, it's interesting. They shared. 
With great power, the apostles continued to testify, it says. There was no needy person among them. No one was needy. From time to time, those who owned lands and houses sold them, brought the money from their sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Whoa. Whoa. Let me think of someone else here. Hmm. Rick, just stand up for a second and pick on one of my board members. You know all that you know, land and that, that property you have? How many would like a piece of that? <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to be sitting, but if I had you stand, would you want to hold on to your stuff like it was yours? You can have a seat. Sure, sure, oh boy. <laughs> Uh, you're going to have to talk with me. Right, close. Talk, talk, close. talk close. Speaking of that, Pastor shared uh, with the board that he was, this was laid on his heart. And the Lord really challenged me on something. And, and we do have a property in heart, which used to be a part of our daybreak program, that's been for sale. And it's been for sale for over two years. Hmm. And the, the Lord laid on my heart that... Uh, would I trust him to make a way to get that sold? And what would I do with the proceeds? Going right back to the scripture. Hmm. And I said to the Lord, yes, that if he will sell that property and get it moved wow. and get it used, that I will take the proceeds from that property and give it to his kingdom. So Praise I just the want Lord. you to know that it's real. And, and when God speaks, and we all have different situations mm -hmm. and different phases of life, but I think it, it, God just laid that on my heart, that that's what we are wow. to do if he would Absolutely. sell that property and release it. So and I had no idea that God had put that on your heart. That's incredible. That's awesome. God wants us to be a body, unified. And that I love the part that says that no need, that no one was found in need. And you know, Rick... And I have here in my notes that benevolence is a basic dimension of God's love. And, uh, and I do want to challenge us as believers that as we, as a way of life, that as being a part of the Gateway Church, that we would have a mindset like Rick is talking about. That we, as believers, would see ourselves not owning a thing, but we're managers, we're stewards of what God gives us. And that we as God would put something on our heart, that we would be able to respond. And I, I love the example, and, and I, that, that's incredible, and I, and I know God will bless you. What I put here in my nose is that we are God's plan to meet the needs of the people around us. And sometimes that happens from the church side, you know, bringing the resources to the church. Other times it's seeing a need and saying, hey, I could take care of that need and doing it privately. And I believe that God honors that as well meeting the needs of the body. One of the hearts other than this is, uh, and we're going to talk more about what Rick is talking about. Um, I'm going to come back and, and we're going we're to challenge each family. I'll just give you a preview. We're going to challenge each family this season to sell something that they own, um, that maybe they are not using or maybe even that they are using, something that they value. 
and to bring that as an offering, a benevolent offering, uh, to be able to meet some needs here that we have. And, uh, and so we're going to talk more about that in the next few weeks. Um, the faith, that's the action, that's taking the steps. And uh, we're going to believe with, with Rick, aren't we, that he's going to sell that property. And I believe that God's going to help you in your situation to sell something, to bring and to, to add to the, and that no need uh, by God's grace. Uh, and God, God will help us in that. The other thing that we want to do this season is we want to meet the needs of those in our community. And uh, I'm going to ask uh, Tony to come and uh, to share from his heart uh, something that we're going to do. We did last year, but we're going to do again. Uh, and uh, I didn't really plan. Here, we'll get you. We do have a microphone. We can, so we can make sure we hear. Tony, why don't you tell us about this personal care drive? Well, we did this last year, and uh, it, it's, it's one night in the evening um, that we invite the community to come. And sometimes the needs that somebody has is the most basic need you could have. And that sometimes is just a matter of keeping yourself clean. And there are a lot of programs out there. I don't know about a lot, but there's programs out there that help people eat, which is probably your most basic need. Sure. Uh, you know, clothing, eating, you know, that, th those are your basic needs, and there's programs out there to do that, but there's not a lot of programs out there uh, that will supplement people's needs in the, in the area of, of, of keeping themselves clean and, and the basic needs of that. So what we would like to do, and I guess it goes along with, you know, obviously with the, the sermon today of providing somebody hope. And last year we did it uh, between Christmas and New Year's. We're going to do it again this year between Christmas and New Year's. It's an opportunity for the church to come and give away and we, we strive for about a month or two of what we call personal care products, demonstrating the love of the church, saying we care enough to, to come to our church and we just want to give you something that will make your life a little better, maybe, maybe give a little bit more hope to somebody that needs it. And um, so we're going to have an opportunity that you can either you know, actually bring some products in yourself. Um, we'll have tables here that you can put those on. We're going to have times that you can actually give some money. And people that like to, I know there's, I know at least one person in here that likes to shop, and I'm sure there's more. Yeah. But we, <laughs> we'll, but we're gonna go. Well, you're looking at uh, Andy. Yeah, I'm no, looking no, at Andy. Right. But, um, but we're gonna go. We're gonna bring thousands of dollars of products in here. Last year, I think we had, uh, and, and I forget the number. It was over four thousand products. That yeah, I think we had uh, over two hundred to oh, two hundred and fifty yeah. families yeah, represented awesome. that came that night, uh, filled. The church. We had people. We opened up at seven o'clock, and you think about things. Sometimes you think it's 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 a bag of soaps and deodorants and razors and shaving creams mm -hmm. and shampoo, and Clorox. You know, it, it's a bag of that. We opened the doors at seven o'clock. People were waiting in the parking lot at four thirty, or before to get in. So what seems small to us isn't always small to somebody else. So we're going to have an opportunity that you can give some money, we'll shop, we'll have those products here. We want to do it again. We want to do it better than we did last year. We're going to be asking for your help. It's, a, it's not a big commitment. A couple meetings beforehand and that night. Awesome. 
And it's just a way, like Tony was saying, to give hope. And one of the things we're going to do, even after today, uh, we're going to have our first meeting. And uh, some of you have been planning to stay, and I want to encourage you to do so. If your heart is tugged, saying, boy, I want to be a part of that, there are lots and lots of details that need to come together. And so after we're done today, we're going to take some time and kind of divvy up some responsibility and kind of get our head around this uh, as we move forward with promotion and with, you know, purchasing and, and uh, you know, just all kinds of things with the media. And, and all, it, it'll, be, it'll be great. But we do that because we believe that we are called to be a healthy body of believers. The second part in our vision statement is not only to be healthy, but to be a multiplying body of believers. And I want to share just for a second. Since September, I've been uh, recording every time that I have a conversation with someone outside of the board um, where there's a, a talk about growing or multiplication. And uh, someone had challenged me to do this, and I don't even remember who did. I was trying to think about it with the board this last week. I'm like, did one of you guys say that? And I don't know who did. But since September, I've had at least 14 different conversations with many of you about growing, about our future as a church, about multiplication, and what I want to tell you is that it's an exciting time for us as a body to be considering what God has for us in the future. And I want you to be praying that the next part of this series is not only to talk about love and talk about hope or what we see, but it's, our next part is faith, taking some of those steps and believing God for what, where we set the, the temperature gauge. And I believe that God is speaking to my heart into our leadership's heart. And uh, we'll be making some of those things very, very clear in the future. And we want you to be a part of that and to be praying with us, asking God to help us. I believe, without a shadow of a doubt, that God has put it in our DNA as a body of believers to meet the needs of our community, to meet the needs of one another within a benevolent context, and I believe that God is uh, challenging not only me, but I believe that he's challenging many, many families to partner with us to be a healthy, multiplying church, body of believers, known for making an impact in our community, in our world. Are you with me? I sure hope so. Why don't you stand with me? I want to pray for you this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord, we need you desperately. We need you to lead us, God, to guide us, to help us. Lord, I pray that you would give us a love for one another a love for you that is deep and committed. I pray that you would give us great hope to see beyond our circumstances, not wishful thinking, but Lord, with godly hope, believing for something good with the expectation of obtaining it, 
Lord, help us as a body. And Lord, as we'll talk in the next couple weeks, give us great faith to walk in your ways, to take the steps that you are calling us to as a church. Lord, I'm challenged by the early church. I challenge myself. What do I have that I could give? And Lord, I pray that, that you will speak to the hearts of every family. Lord, help us. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise your name. If you're here this morning and you need a shot of hope for whatever you're facing. I want you to move from where you are. I want you to come and uh, to find yourself here. And we want to spend some time in prayer. If you've lived your life with false hope, trusting in your own ability, maybe false pride, and you're saying, you know what? I need to understand God his ability to work through me. It's only because of God. And I look around this room and there are some incredibly gifted people, talented uh, people of influence. And I just want to say, it's not you. It's God working through you. And if you've lived in that sphere of pride, I believe God wants to center you in his word. And I believe there are some that are more comfortable, maybe, on the despair side. Maybe you found yourself, at least in this season, in despair. And I want you to know, this is not God's will for you. Again, he wants you to know that you are a child of God. He wants to fill you with hope. Whatever you're facing today, if you're interested, saying, God, I need a shot of hope today. I want you to move from right where you are. And we're going to sing, we're going to worship here for a moment, and we're going to pray for each other and ask God to fill us and to help us right where we are. Amen? Amen.